dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Heroes come in all sizes and stripes. We're well-versed in the lives of heroic priests and bishops in the Catholic Church, but not many of us realize the heroism intrinsic in American women saints. One of the most amazing of them is St. Marianne Cope. I want to tell you about her life and her example of courageous leadership. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad to continue with you to be inspired by the courageous leaders that step forward in times of trial and demonstrate the real capacity and depth of the grace of Christ that is within us. And we know many of them, there are the priests, bishops, all kinds of you know figures that are male, but not many of us really are well-versed in the lives of female saints, especially saints that come from America. And yet, in terms of courage, there are few people that could match the courage that was found in the soul of St. Marianne Cope. And I want to tell you about her life. So before we begin, let's go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine our hearts and our minds. Lead us to the fullness of the truth. St. John, pray for us. St. Marianne Cope, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I remember the first time I got to know St. Marianne Cope. I had traveled to Hawaii with Eagle Eye Ministries. Eagle Eye Ministries is a group of young, for young people that I founded, and it's a ministry that helps inspire them to dare great things for Christ and to become leaders in their lives. And so we wanted to go to a place of inspiration. And so, I mean, of course, we're better than Hawaii, right? Like, this is just an ideal location to be inspired with the natural beauty. And we were going to hike all the way around the Nepali coast on the western part of the island. It's one of National Geographic's 10 most beautiful hikes in the world. And we did it. We, we went there. But we also wanted to go to this place where the lepers had been exiled to by the United States government during this, the, the time when leprosy was still not understood and was highly contagious and was running havoc all over the islands there. And so from 1870, 1880, 1890, in that period, the government had, you know, come up with different ways of treating them and it varied according to the different time frames. But for a period of time, there was uh, the, the worst cases of leprosy were being exiled to uh, Kalupapa, which is this part of the island of Molokai, uh, where you had the highest sea cliffs in the world, 1,700 feet tall, right off the ocean. It's an incredible spot. 
And as we, you know, you go there, it's this place where the volcanoes had made a, a nice flat piece of land that butted up against these incredibly high sea cliffs, making almost like a natural prison. And that's exactly what it was for the people who would be consigned there. So if you were suspected of leprosy, the government would, you know, have different ways of doing this. And it wasn't always as enforced as rigorously, but there were some years where it was rigorously enforced and you'd be forced to separate from your family and sent there basically to die. And so the people who were there were living in desperate straits. And we, you know, in walked Damien de Voisters, who's this incredible hero of a priest who at age 33 sent himself there to bring Jesus Christ's love and peace and healing to those people. And he labored for their, for their good all during the 1880s, uh, working for them, trying to help these, these people. And he did so much good for them. I remember when I was there with, with our young adults on this retreat, we met some of the people who, you know, dated back. They were natives of Molokai for, as long, for many generations. And they said that, oh, in their family, they still call him Uncle Damien. Because at the time when he was there, he was so loved by the people that they started calling him uncle. And so they didn't refer to him as Saint Damien, but as Uncle Damien. I thought that was really touching. Um, he, he built four churches with his own hands and ministered to the people throughout the island, bringing Christ in a spot where no one else wanted to go because of this dreaded disease. And that's, of course, so inspiring, right? Of saints who were not afraid of disease. As a matter of fact, during the plague, you have uh, the many plagues that have stricken humanity. You've got uh, numerous Catholic saints who have gone out and ministered, bringing the sacraments, speaking the word of God, and taking physical care of the peoples who were thus afflicted. I'm thinking of just an example, you know, it's not even of saints. These are just of of the Sisters of St. Francis in central Illinois, a place where I used to live and, uh, and got to know the St. Francis Medical Center there. It's a little known story, you know, of people. You just kind of see these medical buildings named after saints and you wonder, these sisters in Peoria were, were faced with a medical issue, a medical disease of malaria that was wreaking havoc on the poor German-speaking populations of the town of Peoria. And they were living in the flats, you know, near the rivers and it was flooded and there was all kinds of mosquitoes and the, the health systems were just overwhelmed. And so the sisters made a promise to God saying, God, if you keep us on, you know, in, you know, keep our hospital doors open, we will never refuse service to the poor. And they have kept that promise for all these years. And not only did their hospital flourish and continue to be built, but it's now one of the largest hospital systems in the state of Illinois. And they give out millions and millions of dollars every year in free care. They continue to keep their promise to God. I just love that story because it's a story that we don't, you know, you don't think a lot of these heroic things that are part and parcel of our culture in America and in our Catholic history. Well, and, and when it came to, to Molokai and the lepers there, that's part of the beautiful heritage that we had, that not a, a priest had the courage to go there. And he went and he, he, he uh, rebuilt the church, St. Philomena's, 
And he dug his grave right next to St. Philomena's with his own hands. And he would pray his rosary every evening, walking through the cemetery, praying for all the people that he had buried there. And he told everybody, what I want to do is one day be buried in this grave that I dug with my own hands. He was a man of work, a man of visionary courage, and he was also left alone. He used to beg his superiors to send other brothers to be with him. But the superiors said, we can't send anyone to help you, Damien, because they'll all get leprosy too. And it's just not, you know, no one wants to go and die. You're there. You made that choice. You're going to stay there alone. And so he began to write and he wrote 63 different congregations. No kidding. 63 congregations asking for help from sisters. So if the brothers aren't going to help or the priests aren't going to come to the help, maybe he could find sisters that would help. But it was the same thing. I mean, which group of sisters could in good conscience send their sisters to, to work with the lepers knowing that they could contract this disease and die? And so Damien was kind of like this lamp just burning brightly, but a solitary light in a land of darkness and, and calling forth for help. And that's when St. Mary Ann Cope enters the story. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. I remember well when I was there in, in Hawaii with my young adults, we, we were kneeling at the place where St. Damien was ordained a priest. At age 24 years old, he was laying prostrate in the old cathedral church in downtown Honolulu, Hawaii. And that church is still there to this day. And I'd taken my young people to be inspired by his life. And we were kneeling there on the spot where his priesthood was, Christ's priesthood was given to him and he became a priest for the people of, of God. And up to the left, just there, on the wall, there's a shrine with the relics of St. Mary Ann Cope. And honestly, I didn't know much about her. But as I knelt there praying, I just felt a connection in my heart to her. And, and I wanted to know more. And so as I went to Kalupapa for the first time, and since then I've taken eagle-eyed trips there three times, and I can't wait to go again, uh, the... the I, I got to know and sense a little bit of her motherly spirit. And I dug a little bit deeper into her life. And what I found was absolutely amazing. Marianne Cope was born in 1838. And, you know, you'd think, gosh, she must have had just a normal life. No, not at all. By the time she was in eighth grade, her father had become an invalid. She was the eldest daughter of the family. And so she had to drop out of eighth grade or at the end of the eighth grade, instead of going to high school, like most people, she started working in a textile mill in order to make ends meet for the family and provide for them. Marianne, in other words, stepped forward where the need was called and, and took care of her family all the way until she was 24. So about 10 years of her life of just hard manual work. When she was 24, all the kids in the family were old enough to care for themselves. And so she went off and joined the convent. Now think about that. What an incredible person. And what spirit there must have had and she must have had inside of her to be able to do that. Because 
And already when she joined at 24, by the time she was 31, they had elected her to the governing council of the sisters at 31 and made her in charge of an entire hospital in Syracuse, New York. Not only that, but by the time she was 41, she was elected the superior general of her order. So she spent seven years running hospitals, founding a new hospital, totally involved in the government of three hospitals, while she served as a novice mistress twice for her order, and then was finally elected superior general at the ripe old age of 41. <laughs> I just want you to, to think about that. At 41, she was already in leadership from the time she became a sister, and she was in leadership in her family. God used the hardship that she went through to forge her spirit. And he does this with us as well. The question, of my, and my friends, is not whether or not your life is hard or it's supposed to be hard. The question is what you're going to do with the challenges God gives you. He never gives us crosses in vain. And he never puts challenges in front of us without a purpose. And sometimes it's like a, uh, we're like a piece of iron in God's blacksmith shop. And he heats that iron and then whacks it with the hammers of life. And there are many people today that want to quit because of that. I'm thinking of our young people. They turn inward and then they start to whine and complain. And then they say that life shouldn't be this way. And then you have all these political forces that want to claim victimhood and say, you're a victim. And if you just become our victim, we can use you to solidify our power control over your life and over your government and over your country. And there's all kinds of people that fall into that claiming a victim status for a life that they weren't supposed to have in their own estimation, they end up, instead of allowing the hardships of life to mold something stronger and, and more important in their souls, they allow the hardships of life to become an excuse for their own mediocrity. And I'm not saying anything. There, is, there are legitimate victims in the world and there's legitimate hardship out there. And I understand that and I recognize that, but I also want to call each one of you to not allow the hardships to overcome your spirit. This is not the time for us to allow the outside world and its difficulties to dictate to our inner life or the spirit that is within us. Not when our spirit belongs to God. When our spirit belongs to God, then it belongs in him no matter what. And we can go through the pain and through the storms of life, knowing that the pain and the storms of life have, have been blessed by God as his instruments to forge the character and the moral integrity that are necessary for the leaders of tomorrow to not just suffer the present, but to forge the future. This is how God constantly reignites his people it's by going to the heart of individuals and forging therein a strength, a life that he can then give to an otherwise decimated world. And when I look at the life of St. Mary Ann Cope, I think that it's exactly what he, the woman was never stopped from being stretched. 
She was stretched by, she left Germany at age one, was reared in America. Then her dad becomes an invalid and she works for 10 years of her life in a textile mill. After that, she becomes stretched as she gives up her whole life as a Franciscan sister. And all that, that that entails and all the difficulties that are held there. Then she gets stretched again as she becomes novice mistress. Then she becomes stretched again, taking over a hospital. And in the hospitals that the scissors were founding, you see, these weren't just for-profit entities. These were the public hospitals where they made a promise to not refuse anybody because of their race or their creed. In other words, these were people, places where everyone was welcome. She ran the public hospital of central New York, upstate New York, and she ran it with all the integrity that Jesus Christ asked of her. That moral integrity she would need for the day that she ended up being sent to the other side of the world. It's a true story that the bishops in Hawaii were looking for, for nuns who could help work with the leprosy patients. And they asked 50 congregations and no one was willing to send sisters. But when they asked the sisters of St. Mary Ann Cope, 35 sisters spontaneously responded. 35 signed up to give their lives at the risk of a terrible disease to bring consolation to other people on the other side of the world. St. Mary Ann Cope wrote, and this is a quote, she said, I am hungry for the work. And I wish with all my heart to be one of the chosen ones whose privilege it will be to sacrifice themselves for the salvation of the souls of the poor islanders. I am not afraid of any disease. Hence, it will be my greatest delight even to minister to the abandoned lepers. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. You know, when I first was kneeling there in, the, in that church at the cathedral in Honolulu, and I felt so connected with St. Marianne's spirit, I saw it bear witness. I went to where she actually ended up working. And in the course of her life, she responded with all of her heart, she said, to the call to go to the lepers in Hawaii. And she had to face terrible conditions. At one point when she, she was working in o Oahu, and then there was a, a, another hospital for, that was dedicated to the lepers in a nearby town. And St. Marianne found that the government-appointed administrator of the hospital was actually abusing the patients in bad ways, leaving them in physical abuse, etc. And so when she protested, she demanded that either he leave or she leave. And they ended up giving her the entire hospital. <laughs> so she had not only made a stance, but then she was left with an overcrowded, overrun facility that she had to bring order to. And she brought order there. She founded the first hospital ever of any kind on the island of Maui in Hawaii. And she dedicated herself to this hard work of administration. And this is what I find so amazing about her leadership. Because courageous leadership is not a question of just going, you know, into, into situations with your guns drawn, blazing. It's, it's a matter of cool, calculated skill. And Mother Mary Ann demonstrated all of the skill necessary of negotiation, 
of management, of timeliness, of logistics. She had to balance how to run a hospital and a staff, even without the support necessary coming from the outside. And this is at a time when women were not exactly seen as an empowered force in our society. And yet she brought that power. Instead of claiming herself a victim status and hiding behind whatever excuses she had in life, she brought intelligence, strength of spirit into positions that otherwise no one even wanted to fulfill for people who were dying of a dreaded disease that she could catch. Talk about courage. And, and she longed for this because of her love for Jesus Christ on the cross and her knowledge of who Jesus was. And that brought her all the way to Kalupapa where she took care of St. Damien himself the last two weeks of his life. There's actually a picture of her standing next to his bed and, and there he is laying in, in death on the bed. And Mother Marianne took on his work. He had started, of course, a parish and he started a home for the boys, but he actually lacked the administrative skill that was needed for the task. And what's amazing about St. Damien is he plunged in and his practical skills were amazing. His ability to, to, to start things and his ability to fundraise and his ability to, to win people to the cause. And then his just practical sense of, of building and caring for people like a father. But when I got there at the island, we took a tour of Kalupapa and where St. Damien was and where St. Marianne was. And our tour guide smiled and they said, what Damien accomplished in eight years, Mother Marianne accomplished in eight months. She moved, for example, the site of the work to the right side of the island where the site where the, the, the winds were more favorable and there was more easy to fish and the port was right there. And she built a home not just for the boys, but also for the girls. And taking care of the girls brought in her sisters and, you know, not only established regime for the boys, but also regime for the girls and the women and the mothers. And she began a work there for over 20 years of her life. And not one of her sisters ever caught leprosy. They stared into the, the abyss of a dreadful disease and the pain that comes with it. And they were not afraid. Instead, they faced it with a courage that God rewarded with health and blessing. And when I, I was there at the time in 2005, she asked for one thing, just like St. Damien. St. Damien had said, please do me one favor and bury my body with my people. Mother Marianne had said this, it made the same request. She asked to be buried there. And neither one of their bodies were respected in that wish. St. Damien, because the, his superior said, there's no way he'll ever be named a saint. And so the people in Belgium took his body and there he is in Belgium to this day. When he was canonized, they were kind enough to send his right hand back to be buried there. But when I took my tour of Kalupapa, the sisters had decided that the people would venerate her body more and her cult would be more known if they were to take her body back to New York to be venerated there. And I remember because our tour guide actually began to, to weep as they gave the tour. And she said, they took our mother away. This was in 2012. I mean, unreal that they would still have that much pain inside, but they said they took our mother away. 
And they said that, well, you know, her body, of course, is still part of the soil, but so I suppose that that's good enough. And I remember just thinking of that and this courage that, that she exhibited in this land, which was not even able to be in the end her final resting spot. Why? Because the saints are completely given to God and to his work, both in their life and in their death. And yet her spirit lives on in that spot. Because what it demonstrates is the power of intelligence. Courage is not often equated with intelligence and business skills. But in Mother Mary and Cope, you have a saint who became saintly by applying herself to the real tasks of management, logistics, budgets, negotiations, hirings and firings. She, she made a place, a home for these people in need by, by opening not only her heart, but also her mind. And I just think to myself, man, what an incredible example this is. Not only of Mother Mary Ann herself, but of the sisters who went with her. After all, there were a total of six who made that first journey down there to be working in this hospital with her. And the courage of this, those sisters that they've, that they've demonstrated speaks to us in our own age of what Christ is calling us to do. There are those, in other words, who run away from fights. There are those who prefer to maintain their own life and their own safety. And, the, and with good reason, of course. But then there's also the call for the courageous few who are called to not run away, but to run towards. To not preserve, but to give and to sacrifice. And just as in the case of those who preserve their lives, there's also good reasons. There's also an incredible witness to be given by those who do not shirk from the high duty of sacrifice. Mother Mary Ann claimed that her whole life had been a given to God for the sake of her fellow human beings. And she demonstrated that by loving in, in, in many ways all of the poor and the destitute. Whatever you do to the least of my brethren, that you do to me. And by so doing, she demonstrates kind of a leadership of the Christian spirit that if God gives us the skills that he's given us for business, right? The, the skills that we have, that we employ every day for the sake of economic gain, what if we were to turn those same skills and turn them towards the betterment of people directly? In Mother Mary Ann's case, her life was her charity. Her charity was her life. And her charity was her work for the poorest of the poor. And we still benefit from that spirit today. The courageous leadership of an intelligent administrator poured out at the service of those most in need. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.